Today, I'm talking about Jennifer Lawrence's new film, Causeway. Here's director Lila Neugebauer. What I admire so profoundly about Jen's performance in this film is that she has the capacity to convey such raw depth of feeling in a tremendously understated register. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Hello and welcome to Girls on Film. I'm your host, Anna Smith. And today we're looking at the film Causeway, starring Jennifer Lawrence, which is on Apple TV Plus now. Causeway features a fantastic performance from Jennifer Lawrence as Lindsay, a soldier who's recovering after an explosion in Afghanistan. Heading home to New Orleans, she struggles to reconnect with her mother and ends up forming a friendship with a mechanic called James, who's brilliantly played by Brian Tyree Henry. I just never thought I would come back here. You don't got love for this city? It's not the city. It's that house. I'm the only one that made it out. Causeway is directed by Lila Neugebauer, who joins me now. Well, welcome to Girls on Film. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, big fan of the film Causeway. Before we get into it, though, for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about, more about yourself as a filmmaker and your journey here? My journey as a director begins probably with the fact that my life has primarily been in the theater. So for the last 15 years, I have primarily directed new plays, new American plays, um, though some British, and also some revivals. And then about four or five years ago, a bit of TV fell into my lap. At that point, I had begun to read screenplays. I had um, finally said out loud what I had felt in my heart for some time, which was that I also wanted to make movies. Um, And then I read this screenplay. And and my, my story as a filmmaker really begins there. What excited you about this screenplay when you first began reading it? You know, the external circumstances of my life bear very little resemblance to the characters in this film. Um, I'm a native New Yorker. I had spent no time in New Orleans, Louisiana, where the film is primarily set prior to prepping and shooting the film. And um, I'm not a veteran or a service member. Uh, And nonetheless, inner lives of these characters um, were personalized for me very quickly. I uh, recognized myself inside this woman and was disarmed and moved by that encounter with her inner life. And in terms of the kind of cinematic register of that original screenplay. And it would take a journey between that document that I read and the movie that now exists. But the fundamental DNA of this film is absolutely rooted in that original blueprint. The proposition that you could make a movie which did not focus on primarily the moments of highest drama, Mm -hmm. but instead charted a progression through seemingly small increments in a journey of progress and in such a, what struck me as a patient, careful, lyrical register that appealed to me immensely. The idea that the primary transformation in a film could happen inside the characters, that that appealed to me as well. 
I love that subtle aspect of it. And to me, that made it all the more gripping, that the changes were sort of less obvious and less tangible and that we had to go searching for them and that you were giving us Mm. clues. And I I enjoyed that whole process very much. The casting here is, of course, key. Um, Were the cast on board when you came on board or how did it all work? They were not, um, although that aspect of this project came together quite serendipitously. About six weeks after I had first read that screenplay and attached myself to it, I heard that Jen had read it and had a similar response. And I was asked, would I like to meet her, have dinner with her? And I very quickly said yes. And we met and had a very long dinner in which I think it was apparent to both of us immediately what a rich creative partnership we might have on this film. She signed on that night, um, which was really thrilling. And we were actually in production for the film only a few months later, based on that kind of igniting moment. And not long after I met Jen, we reached out to Brian. I've known Brian since I was 19. We're old friends, though we'd never worked together, had always wanted to. He was the first person I thought of upon reading it initially, and really the only person I wanted to play this role. And very fortuitously, uh, he agreed. So, uh, I'll probably just a carburetor. And if it is, I can just get that part on eBay. It ain't that hard to find. It may take a while to get here. But hurry. I don't know how long I'll be here. How much is it going to cost? Maybe about a three fifty phone plus labor. Maybe more if we get in there and finally need some more work. I don't know if I want to fix it. It's not, it's not even mine. It's... Oh, no, now that. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a nice truck. Dream cast. I love it when that I happens. So. Yeah, yeah. May I ask, is race specified in the script? It was not, although I would say that upon then engaging Brian, the role was reimagined for him significantly through his input. I mean, both Jen and Brian, I involved them in ongoing, meaningful conversation about these characters and about how their relationship unfolds. I would say both of their input was hugely invaluable to my own deepening understanding of the characters and how they were evolved in the development of the script. What kind of conversations with Jen specifically did you have about her character? Obviously, there's a lot to do with trauma. There's a relationship with her mother. There's a great deal going on. And and I love seeing sort of those layers being peeled back. I mean, can you give an example of the kind of conversations where she evolved as in your discussions? The first thing I would say is that one of the most significant aspects of the film in the first trajectory of development of the script. One of the first aspects that came into focus was the clinical aspect of the story, and that was hugely informed by a great deal of research that I was doing, consulting with medical professionals, mostly from U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs, experts in the field of traumatic brain injury. Likewise, conversations that she and I were able to have with veterans and service members about their experiences coming home and their experiences while deployed. Those conversations, I think, for both me and Jen were transformative. The movie wouldn't exist without them. And the kind of development of the character's journey was radically affected by the the body of research in those conversations. I think my conversations with Jen were personal for both of us and had a lot to do with developing a shared language. Early on, right after we met, we met for a couple of weeks every morning in her apartment and we just walked through that original script page by page, free associating personalizing, talking about where we saw ourselves in this script and where we saw Lindsay in each of ourselves. And I think more broadly, that was just a vital, yeah, language building time for the two of us as collaborators. 
It's interesting that you share so much of yourself. Is that something that just comes naturally to you as a director and a person to kind of have that two-way process? In the conversations that you to were having. To invest personally. Yeah, well, to, to sort of when you were saying what you relate to in the character. Yeah. So it's not just about her, what she does as a performer. I'm the child of mental health professionals. So I think psychodynamics are always of great interest to me. And I'm often doing a kind of psychological profile of a character. And, and often my way of attempting, irrespective of the landscape of the film, I think my way of beginning to understand a character in significant part in an attempt to remove any judgment is to imagine myself into their circumstances. I think there are different degrees to which that comes into play in the conversation with an actor. I'm usually more interested in how it's personalized for them. <laughs> if that's if that's a part of their entry into a role, it's not for every actor. I think that was unique to this process. It was revelatory, I think, for me and Jen to find how much the two of us had in common, which I think we recognized through our conversations around this character. I would like to go back. It's a very hard judgment call. I understand why you would think that. Do I still have any trace of my injury? I'm sure. But am I going to be a risk to anybody, unable to carry out my duties? No. I want to go where I'm useful. Can you go back? Yes. Should you go back? It's a different question. You said the link between trauma and depression is stronger than the link between smoking and cancer. Much stronger. What if Afghanistan wasn't the only trauma? What then? She's so fantastic in this. This is one of my favourite performances of hers. She's always brilliant, of course. What are you proud of in terms of watching this film back in terms of the moments that she captured? I think broadly, what I admire so profoundly about Jen's performance in this film is that she has the capacity to convey such raw depth of feeling in a tremendously understated register. There's a real discipline in the performance writ large that I find quite arresting. <laughs> it, there's rigor in the performance. To have that much going on in a register that is so dialed in um, with such subtlety and such stillness so much of the time. I find that riveting. It's very much to my taste. <laughs> yeah. And in this case, I think for both of us, um, felt uh, intrinsic to our understanding of this human being. Um, I'm also realizing that um, in your earlier question in terms of how my conversations with Jen evolved the characters, um, I would single out that in an earlier version of this script, Lindsay went back to Afghanistan at the end of the film. And her staying at least through the end of the last scene in this film, I don't know what her future holds, is significantly an extension of conversations that I had with Jen and with Brian and Jen. I don't know if that's a spoiler for some people that haven't seen it yet. But oh, it definitely is. Yeah, um, We may have although, to although skirt the, around that. Sure, although yeah. at the same time, I think, um, I don't think the the primary question of the film actually is will she stay or will she go Agreed. i think that's a circumstantial framework for the film it's not that it's not important it's hugely important i think it's it's actually not the highest stakes internal question and underlying question in the film for that character um, the question of whether she stays or goes, I think, is an expression of a larger set of questions about um, where she is, how in touch with herself she is, and the extent to which she's willing to recognize her own limitations and vulnerabilities. This film bucks a lot of stereotypes, challenges some expectations you might have. Could you speak a little bit about that? If you feel that that's an important thing, are you conscious of that as a filmmaker? I love that that was your experience. The, this is not a plot-forward film. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a story, but it's a character-driven film in which there's an invitation to spend time primarily with two characters, with some other characters as well, and bear witness <laughs> these kind of seemingly small, but ultimately, I think, significant steps, and to have some degree of patience <laughs> with how that unfolds, and hopefully to find value in being present with them, and hopefully present with yourself while watching it. My hope is that there's room for the viewer in the film. In terms of what you said about stereotypes, I guess in terms of some of our conversations, the conversations that I had with Jen and Brian, maybe it's worth articulating that we see so many films <laughs> that are kind of will-they-won't-they they stories of a romantic nature, of course. Arguably, this film has a will-they-won't-they, they, but I think of the will-they-won't-they they as will these people manage to reveal themselves to one another, be vulnerable to one another, expose themselves, be seen, and try to see with the full range of their empathetic imagination. Beautifully put, and I think it... To me, it explores how we often don't have the emotional equipment to deal with friendships and how we actually make parameters for friendships and how we discuss these things, particularly in, in certain backgrounds, if you're not used to people talking about emotions. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the relationship between the mother and daughter is, is so fascinating. Again, I felt like in another film, it could have been, she could have, the mother in particular could have been a certain kind of cliched bad mother figure but I I love the layers that she had and the, some surprises that she had. I can't work in an office right now. Of course you can. It's a good job. It has insurance. I can't stare at a screen all day. Just try it. I know it's not your dream job but you don't want to clean pools forever either. That's just temporary until I can go back. What do you mean back? Are you kidding me? Linda Eamond, who plays Lindsay's mother in the film, is an actor whose work I have admired for years, primarily from knowing her stage work. Every member of the supporting cast in this film is someone that I knew from my life in the New York theater community, um, or whose work I knew. I would want to credit Linda. She's with, fantastic. With her. I'm so glad you think Center, so. Yeah. And, and I think a part of this is actually rooted, likewise, in Linda's body of work, also collaborating with playwrights. She is a very dramaturgical thinker, or a dramaturgically astute thinker. So much of the pleasure of collaborating with Linda involved building our own shared understanding of the psychological tapestry and a set of circumstances inside this character's life such that we could find layers of communication, primarily, frankly, in the space between words and subtextually. Those scenes are spare and suggestive. There's very little at an expository level that is conveyed vis-a-vis more conventional backstory. You as the viewer, I think, are left to draw a tremendous amount of inference and extrapolation from textually very suggestive scenes. I think it is a huge credit to Jen and Linda. It is reflective of the conversations that we were having, that there's life between the lines that I hope conveys much of what you're describing. Your work is very distinct, but when you're referring to this kind of life between the lines thing, um, are there any other filmmakers that inspired you that spring to mind, perhaps when you were growing up and when mm. you were getting excited about cinema? In a range of stylistic registers and periods, I would say where my brain is sent by that question has to do with my admiration for filmmakers who know how to harness economy 
of language and cinematic visual language to convey a great deal. And, and I would point to formative experiences for me watching work as varied as the films of Brisson and um, Kelly Reichard and Lucrecia Martel, three very different filmmakers, but who I think in each of their own very particular cinematic languages are invested in economy. There's, um, I would also say one of my favorite filmmakers is um, Corey Ada. Those are all filmmakers I'm realizing now, actually, since you ask, who I think trust that in a particular kind of spare, disciplined filmmaking, you can allow a little to say a great deal. Do you feel that female filmmakers, women filmmakers, uh, bring anything different to the table or do you actually find sort of being lumped together as a woman filmmaker insulting? (laughs) I definitely don't find it insulting. But I also feel, I feel like I would be remiss to suggest that there's anything remotely monolithic Mm -hmm. about a collection of filmmakers who share a gender identity, which is to say, I mean, this isn't grossly reductive in general statement, but I'm sure there's plenty of male identified filmmakers who I have more in common with than many of female filmmakers. I have no doubt that the way I move through the world, the way I interact with my collaborators is informed by the fact that I've lived my life in a female body <laughs> and I'm a female identified female presenting person. I live in a white supremacist patriarchy. And so there's no doubt that everything about my femaleness and my whiteness informs my experience. That said, it's also been my experience that my gender may play more of a role in how other people relate to me than in how I believe I'm moving through the world. Does that answer your yeah, question? Yeah, it's very, it's, I just wanted you to carry on because it was so interesting. I was like, yes, I agree. Totally. Yes, the way people relate to you, the way people treat you. I mean, obviously, on Girls on Film, we're trying to champion you know, female filmmakers who, and, and to celebrate the fact that hopefully it won't be a conversation in five, ten years' time. You know, I think it might take a little bit longer. Uh, but, unfortunately, um, it might. I think, I think that, I think, parody and also the premise that I might come to live in a moment in which there would be enough parody. It might no longer be a question of central focus. Like, what an exhilarating prospect. I don't imagine that will transpire in my own lifetime, but I'm also very aware that I'm enormously privileged to be working in this field at this particular moment in time. The shoulders that I stand on are are very apparent to me. Would you like to expand on that a little bit more? I'm thinking of all the mentors I had. And I've had male and female mentors. But as um, my coming of age creatively, more of that, of course, in the last 15 years professionally has been in my life in the theater. So, But this is true of any medium that I work in. I think to see people working at a high level in whom you can see yourself is hugely galvanizing. So that I live in a moment in which there are high-achieving women directing in all of the mediums that I'm currently working whose work I've been able to be invigorated by, and whose way of moving through the world I can look to. There are generations of women who did not have those models. And just, I'm sort of moved thinking about the women who I watched in life and on in interviews. Yeah, I think if you can see it, <laughs> it helps you be braver to go do it. I, I just think it does. Well, I'm confident you're going to inspire a lot of our listeners. Oh, that's very <laughs> I really kind. am. Very that's confident. very kind. 
Um, before we go, I wanted to go back to Causeway a bit and talk about the shoot itself and the experience of the shoot itself. You shot in New Orleans, yes. I take it, obviously, because it's very clearly there, and that feels like yeah. a character in the film almost. Um, can you talk me through how long it was, um, what the process was like, what the challenges were like? Sure. Having told you that this process came together in that very serendipitous way, I will acknowledge we definitely paid for that down the line. You know, New Orleans is a singular, remarkable American city. A lot of American cities happen to be like other American cities. There's absolutely nothing like New Orleans, a place of such singularly rich cultural tradition. They have experienced their share of trauma, <laughs> collective trauma. They are tremendously resilient people. They are also quite vulnerable to climate. So the contours of the kind of filmmaking timeline on this project, we began principal photography in the summer of 2019 and um, were able to battle through flash floods and heat waves and lightning holds but we then encountered a hurricane and had to evacuate jen had a heart out so we always knew we would be coming back to complete the film and we had gotten all of our troops together by march of 2020 and lo and behold a day before i was meant to get on the plane i got word that all production in the u.s union production was shutting down and we would then attempt to start up and yet again pause due to a kind of constellation of pandemic-related variables, I think four or five times between March of 2020 and June of 2021. And then we were finally able to reassemble our team last summer, the summer of 2021, completed photography. I went back into the edit and here we are. You must have to have such patience and, a, and an amazing temperament to cope with that level <laughs> of stress. It sounds so stressful to me. <laughs> It required a great deal of resilience. Yeah. yeah. I, I also credit my collaborators, both um, at A24, my creative collaborators on the creative team, and these actors for having the tenacity to come back. I, there were plenty of opportunities for plenty of people to cut bait in that interim. It was not an inevitability that we would ever complete this film. And that we did is, I think, a testament to everyone's dedication to the project and how personalized the stakes of the movie had become for everyone involved. I love it when you can you can feel that passion watching a film, you know, it's, oh, you can so tell bad. that everyone took such care with it. Would you like to talk a bit about any of your heads of department? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> always. I had the kind of insane privilege of working with Jack Fisk on this film. He's our production designer. I can't overstate emphatically enough how, I'm using this word again, transformative my time with Jack was on this project. He is a genuine, bona fide legend in the industry. He has the creative curiosity of a 12-year-old. And I mean that in the best way. The joyfulness of his creative rigor, energy, was so edifying for me in the face of any number of setbacks. And more broadly, I think of my time with Jack as my, um, my film school. <laughs> At so many levels regarding craft, ethic, process, and, and the kind of, the mission <laughs> of, of assembling to make a film. Jack is such a model. So um, he, he taught me a great deal about the kind of filmmaker I want to be and frankly, the kind of person <laughs> I, I want to be. Likewise, I had an invaluable collaborative relationship with Diego Garcia, our director of photography, who is an artist of such poetic sensibility. He's a purist in a really thrilling way. I think you know, both Jack and Diego were 
deeply invested in handling these characters with tremendous sensitivity. That was at the forefront of so many of our conversations. The three of us were able to build a shared language uh, readily, naturally. I credit my time with both of them, just with with ongoing gratitude (laughs) and humility. In terms of when people watch this film, or they're already watching it, two questions, I guess. One, um, what do you hope they take from it? And two, what kind of reactions have you had? The first thing I'm going to admit is that I always feel a little a little pause of reticence around expressing any wishes for anyone's experience. Primarily because um, the film is the offering. People will take from it what they will. It will be for some people and it may not be for others. Mm-hmm. And um, I particularly in terms of the kind of the register of this particular film, I think there's a lot of space for the viewer. And so I think that people may enter this film in very different ways. I think it's not a film that's telling you how to feel all the time. At least that's my hope. It's giving you the space to have your own experience. That's my hope. But I I do think, I hope in terms of how the characters are handled and how the film's paced and how emotion is metabolized, that there is a kind of invitation to patience in this film. That's beautifully put. I like that invitation to patience. Oh, I'm so glad. And likewise, the proposition that there might be value in extending our curiosity towards the challenges that other people are contending with, people whose lives um, we may make a set of assumptions about, but whose personal circumstances we, in fact, know nothing at all about. And then in terms of reactions, you know, I think it's been really moving to speak to some veterans and service members about their experiences with this film. That's not to, again, suggest that I consider that population monolithic, and I assume that every um, person who's served will see themselves in this film. I don't. But to the extent that uh, people have expressed a feeling of recognition, that's been um, tremendously meaningful. And it's also been heartening to hear from people whose challenges, or dare I say traumas, do not come from that arena, but come from any range of arenas and life experiences who see their truth reflected back to them. Pull over. You need to pull over just to the side of the road. Right here. Sorry. It's okay. I know this is hard. This isn't hard. Driving a car shouldn't be a victory. I mean, leaving, transition can be hard. If you're not feeling ready, we can look into extending your stay. I can't pay for that. I should be getting back anyway. Back home? No, back to work. Redeploy. You've made a lot of progress, but you're not ready to go back to work. Not nearly. Then what the hell? What's the point in all of this? Well, I think that's the beauty of this film, is that a lot of people will find something to relate to. As you say, even if it doesn't reflect their experience directly or factually. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about, whether it's thematically to do with the film, or anyone we haven't spoken about yet involved in the film that you wanted to mention? It would just be a, a reiterative acknowledgement of the supporting cast in this film, mm-hmm. in part, who I, who I think, in some ways, like Linda, are all actors who brought tremendous ethic 
to fleshing out the inner lives of characters who may only appear in a few minutes in the film (laughs) or who likewise operate in the film in somewhat suggestive scenes, but all of whom um, fleshed out those characters' psychologies and circumstances with such robust imagination, I think was a real gift to the film. And then I would also just reiterate that my experience talking to veteran service members and medical professionals on this film changed me and that I just remain indebted to all of the people who gave so generously of their time and spoke so openly and with real vulnerability about the obstacles they've had to contend with. And finally, what are you up to next? Because I'm very excited to hear this, if if you're allowed to say whatever it is. Yeah, I would say the next thing I'm probably going to do or be in production for uh, is a play. I'm going to go, I have a a couple plays that I'm going to do in New York inside of the next year. But I have a couple of TV projects in early development and another feature in early development. Which of those actually goes into production next to be revealed? That's to say, my hope is that all of those mediums will continue to be a part of my life. Oh, well, I hope we get to see them and that you'll come back on Girls on Film because it's been such a pleasure talking oh, to you. Thank, thank you so much. Wonderful to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to Girls on Film. I'm Anna Smith and I was joined by Lila Neugebauer to talk about Causeway, starring Jennifer Lawrence and written by Odessa Moshvek, Luke Goebel and Elizabeth Sanders. Causeway is available globally on Apple TV+. Girls on Film is an HLA production brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, producer Lydia Scott, audio editor Cam Griff and intern Eleanor Hardy. This episode is in partnership with Apple Original Films. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with another pod soon. I don't know my number. I mean, it's just business. No. I really don't know my number.